Hello friends, how y'all doing? Welcome to Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Alastair Murden. Across the globe, people find comfort in bizarre rituals, from the furthest reaches of civilization to right in our own backyards. On this show, we use stories to explore why we practice these superstitions, even when historians don't know where they come from. Take a deep breath in. Can you feel it? The air's just lost that wintry chill, and in the back of your throat, you can feel the hint of humidity to come. You smell new honeysuckle buds just beginning to flower. Springtime in the south, which can only mean one thing. It's hitching season. Today, we're taking a trip down to Bourbon County, Kentucky for a good old-fashioned southern wedding. Like many, this family's got its own traditions for joining two souls, and some are a little stranger than you might expect. As the superstition goes, the lucky couple must bury a full bottle of bourbon a month before their wedding day to ensure a ceremony without rain. Doesn't matter which brand, as long as it's 100% pure, bona fide American bourbon. It's a simple enough ritual. And even if a rainstorm interrupts your big day, it's still fun to take a swig of the buried bourbon. But as you'll soon find, traditions are essential in the South, and foregoing them can have deadly consequences. So pull up a chair, splash some wild turkey in that sweet tea, and put on your Sunday best. The ceremony's about to start. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, we arrive in Kentucky to prepare for the big day. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. With each shovel full of dirt, May became more certain this whole idea had been a mistake. She'd had a plan, a very specific plan. But somehow, she'd ended up knee-deep in a hole, swinging a shovel and sweating like a sinner in church. She looked down at her yellow sundress, eyeing the muddy brown stains creeping up the hem. So much for the engagement photos. In the beginning, it seemed like everything was going to fall into place. In fact, from the moment May spotted Cal at the racetrack, she knew he was the one. Everyone at the betting boxes looked like they were fiercely studying for the same test. Men in linen suits scrolled on their iPads, occasionally stopping to compare the odds with the newspapers under their arms. Cigar smoke circled the ceiling lazily. Cheers came from the racetrack, and men scuttled to the windows to collect their winnings. May was studying too, but it was the society pages, not the horse racing odds, that captured her interest. She stared at a picture of a young man smiling broadly at the camera, a brown bottle held aloft in his hand. Underneath, a caption read, Cal Odette inherits ownership of Odette Bourbon, announces expansion plans. 
The Odette family was old Kentucky money. It was rumored their fortune was made during Prohibition running bootleg liquor up to Chicago. But even when old Pappy Odette went legit in the 30s, he kept some of his crooked habits. Allegedly, he hid millions of dollars in gold in caves dotting the family property. If May could just get past the gates, she knew she'd make a killing. And if the Odette family was a golden chain, then Cal Odette was the weakest link. She'd been watching Cal for months. She knew the basics. He owned three racing thoroughbreds. He loved fast cars and bluegrass music. He had a soft spot for blondes. And most importantly, rumor had it, he was looking for a wife. He was the perfect mark. May looked up and spotted Cal Odette at the betting window. Right on time. May closed her newspaper, straightened her hat, and got to work. Things go quickly when you're in love, or in May's case, in a hurry. Cal was a cinch. She told him she was a thoroughbred trainer, an easily provable lie that Cal swallowed hook, line, and sinker. It almost felt like he wanted May to fool him. One night, a few weeks into their courtship, she ordered them Lambrusco, her favorite. Cal smacked his lips, a quizzical look on his face. Chilled, fizzy red wine, he said. I don't know about that. May explained why she liked it. She always delighted in the unexpected. I like surprises, she said. Cal laughed and took a big swig. Well, I hope you'll like this one, he said, getting down on one knee. Step one of the plan was complete. In less than a month, May had Cal wrapped around her crooked finger. But the grandmother had been a harder nut to crack. The first time Cal introduced May to Granny Odette, it had not gone well. May had tried to stall the lunch for weeks, even told Cal she believed it was bad luck. But he insisted they had to get Granny Odette's blessing. May sat near the head of a long table overflowing with dishes. Red-faced men and women in sun hats helped themselves to platter of ribs, terrines filled with sweet potatoes, and hearty scoops of homemade mac and cheese. A whitewashed manor house loomed above them, shading them from the hot Kentucky sun. Cal appeared, escorting a large woman in a flowery caftan. May rose to greet her as Cal introduced her as his fiancée. Granny swept May into a crushing hug. For her advanced age, the woman had surprising strength. The matriarch released her, holding her at arm's length. Cal, isn't she pretty as a picture? Granny said. She gestured to the table and invited May to eat with her. May instantly felt off balance. Something about Granny's effusive welcome set her teeth on edge. But before she could figure out what, Granny spoke again. So we're a month away, I hear. Kind of a rush for a wedding, don't you think? Where are y'all thinking of having the ceremony? Cal piped up. We were hoping to have it right here on the family property, if that suits you. Nothing too big, just the family. Cal explained that while May was from right over yonder in Marion County, the guests would mostly be from the Odette side. May put on her most sympathetic face. She explained her practiced backstory. Her parents died when she was small. She didn't have many relatives left. 
I guess that's why I'm so happy to be marrying someone with such a tight-knit family. Something cold gleamed in Granny's eye. Oh my, she said, reaching out a hand to grasp May's. Well, bless your poor heart. Granny's fingers curled painfully into May's hand, gripping it so tight it turned white. May looked to Cal for help, but he had moved off to talk with another of his cousins. Granny pulled May close. She whispered, If you're from Marion County, then I'm from Timbuktu. Darling, I can already see how fake that bottle blonde hair is. So I'm wondering, what else you're lying about? May violently snatched her hand back, knocking her glass of water into her lap. Granny Odette smiled wickedly. She leaned towards May, venom in her voice. Remember, I love my grandson, and I won't allow him to get hurt. May pulled her hands free. White finger marks stood out against her tanned skin. A tendril of fear curled in her belly. Granny stood and raised a glass to the table. The family followed suit, forks and knives clattering as they rushed to meet her toast. Granny spoke. The Odette family has lived on this land for generations. Pappy Odette started this bourbon company with his own two hands, and we all know he didn't start out honest. A chuckle rippled through the table. Granny continued. But he sure ended things that way. In a month's time, we'll be welcoming a new member into our family on this very property. Slivers of ice crept into her voice. Ms. May Carlyle from just over yonder. She turned towards May, her glass outstretched. May, I hope you'll become a true member of this family. We may have started out a bunch of crooks, but today... The Odettes are all about one thing. Honesty. Honesty! The family chorused back, toasting her. May could barely meet Cal's gaze. As she sipped her drink, she tried to calm herself. Granny Odette was just trying to intimidate her. It was understandable, in a way. She was the matriarch of a wealthy family and wanted to make sure Cal's fiancé was interested in more than just his money. The old bat had no idea what May was really planning. A man shouted from the other end of the table. Granny, if the wedding's only a month away, we gotta have May bury the bourbon. Granny nodded in agreement. She called for someone to bring a bottle of Odette bourbon to the table. May turned to Cal, eyes quizzical. I don't get it. We're burying something? Oh, it's an old tradition, Cal said. Supposed to bring rain. Not bring rain, Granny interjected. Prevent it. If the couple-to-be buries a bottle of bourbon upside down a month before their wedding on the very spot they say I do, then they'll have clear skies for the ceremony. Cal shrugged. I just like the part where we drink the bourbon at the end. You and me get to dig it all up again. May laughed before she could help herself. No one followed suit. She stared around the table at the faces gazing back expectantly at her. They were serious. All right, she said. If it's tradition. Which brought her back to now. She and Cal picked a spot by a pair of flowering magnolia trees. 
Cal volunteered to grab them a couple of lemonades and May set to work. But half an hour later, Cal still wasn't back. She couldn't see the barbecue, but she could hear the merrymakers through the trees. And loudest of all was Cal's booming laugh. He was useless. Rich men always were. Oh well, May thought. When this whole thing was over and she and Cal were hitched, she'd hire a fleet of diggers to help her find that bootlegger gold. That's the first thing she would do. Well, not the first thing. Before that, she'd shove Granny Odette in the dirtiest, meanest nursing home she could find, someplace they treated the patients like inmates. With any luck, she'd drop dead in there. Lost in thought, May hadn't noticed how deep she'd dug. But three feet below the surface, she hit… something. May dropped to her knees and brushed the dirt and clods of mud away. Hidden beneath the magnolia trees was a small, wooden trap door. May took another glance back towards the direction of the picnic. No sign of Cal. It was just her and the door. May heaved the door back, revealing a gaping black hole. Heart racing, May sat at the edge and pushed her feet inside. She pulled out her phone, turned on the flashlight, and let herself drop down into oblivion. May gasped. Her flashlight played over a scene from another era. She was in a shallow cave, just tall enough to stand up straight. Giant wooden casks lined the walls. A miniature armory of antique guns lay in a heap. May turned. That's when she saw it. A half-dozen leather suitcases rotting in a corner. One of them glinted oddly in the light. Inching closer, May realized why. The cases had split, spilling out their contents. Hundreds of gold bars. It wasn't a hideout. It was a hoard. Coming up, May makes a killing. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from Parcast. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. Now, back to the story. May weighed a gold bar in her hand. She smiled. There was no way the Odettes knew about this, or they'd have put it all in the bank vault long ago. This was May's secret, and May's alone. But she had to get back before anyone missed her. Once the wedding was over, she could come back and clear the place out properly. She slipped the bar in her dress and scrambled back up into the sunlight. By the time Cal returned, May had buried the bourbon directly over the bootlegger's cache. She greeted Cal with a smile that, for the first time all day, actually felt genuine. He apologized for leaving her to dig the hole on her own. He explained he wanted to do something unexpected for her and handed her a cold wine bottle. Lambrusco, her favorite. May was touched. I take it back. Maybe some rich men aren't completely useless, she thought to herself. They walked back towards the party together. Before they lost sight of the trees, May looked back one last time. Soon, she thought, it will all be mine. May was surprised at how much fun she was having at her own sham wedding. 
the Odettes had put on a grand affair. There was a towering four-tiered cake, someone had managed to rustle up a string quartet, and at Cal's insistence, the two of them arrived at the outdoor ceremony on horseback, two of Cal's prized thoroughbreds taking them right up to the twin magnolia trees. The family was certainly in a party mood, their celebratory shouts turning the wedding benediction into a southern-style call and response. Even Granny was having fun. May could see her beaming with happiness. But throughout the entire ceremony, May couldn't stop thinking about the riches beneath her feet. She'd taken the gold bar to a jeweler friend in the city. He discovered it was from a Chicago bank, and the embedded serial numbers indicated it came from a batch molded in 1923. She squealed when he told her the price. Just one of the bars could be worth almost $20,000. But May felt torn about Cal. The plan had been simple. Marry the heir, steal enough gold to keep her in couture for the rest of her life, then ride off into the sunset, preferably in a Corvette. But Cal had complicated things. For one thing, he was thoughtful. Since she claimed she had no family, he arranged for his uncle to walk her down the aisle. And then there was the Lambrusco. He'd just told her that morning that he'd arranged a special toast at the reception with it, just for her. She watched his face as he listened to the pastor. There was genuine affection in his eyes when he said his vows. As May repeated her I do's, she had a startling realization. She actually liked him. How funny was that? The pastor instructed them to kiss, and just like that, they sealed the deal. The newlyweds turned to face the Odettes. As unexpected tears welled in May's eyes, Cal leaned in close to her. You're home, he said. A blur of faces came up to May after the ceremony. May couldn't do anything but nod and repeat her thanks. Finally, when she sensed she had a quiet moment, she headed for the refreshment table. True to Granny's word, the bourbon trick had worked, and the clear sky overhead provided no shelter from the summer sun. May drank deeply from a cool glass of lemonade when a tap came on her shoulder. She turned to find Granny Odette standing behind her, resplendent in a deep purple dress, a long peacock feather poking out of her hat. But there was something in her smile that May didn't like. We need to talk, Granny said, and held out a file folder. May's face grew hot. The folder had everything. Her real name, Susan Fisher. Her arrest record, courtesy of the Pennsylvania State Women's Correctional Institution. Granny had even had her followed. There were snapshots of May going into her friend's jewelry store. From what I've found, Granny said, that's not the most reputable jeweler. In fact, he might be just the person to go to if you want to fleece some stolen gold. May handed the folder back, the gears whirring in her brain as she tried to figure out how to fix this. Granny said, I knew from the moment I saw you something wasn't right. Now, I'm not one to break up a party, especially when the family is having such a good time. But if you know what's good for you, you'll pack your bags tonight and I'll never hear another peep from you again. May pleaded with her, asking to talk to Cal. She didn't want to hurt him. 
Granny's face bloomed red with rage. Cal will not learn anything about this. May tried to say something, anything to buy time, but Granny cut her off. There will be a car waiting for you at 8pm. I suggest you take it. Granny turned on her heel, leaving May sputtering into her lemonade. Dazed, May turned back to the party when she heard her name. Cal was standing by the twin magnolia trees, holding a shovel. The bourbon. She'd forgotten about it. They were supposed to dig up the bourbon, blessing their union. Now it sounded like a sick joke. May caught Granny's watchful eye. She'd better go through with it. She didn't want to cause a scene. May gathered her long white skirt and smiled at the guests as she picked her way towards the magnolia trees. Overhead, a single grey cloud floated lazily in the breeze, casting a shadow over the wedding party. Better hurry up, somebody shouted. Looks like the bourbon trick didn't keep the rain away. May looked up. It seemed the cloud was gathering friends. Though the forecast had been clear and sunny, a storm was rolling in. Cal handed May the shovel, and together the two struck the first blow. Wet clods of earth flew through the air. The guests eyed the sky uneasily. Heavy, dark clouds blanketed the sky to the east, a hazy fog trickling down over the treetops. Tiny raindrops bounced off the magnolia leaves and speckled the guests' clothes. The storm was here. Just as May hit the bourbon, the sky split. Guests fled towards the house as the deluge soaked them in seconds. Lightning crackled across the sky. Cal called to May as he headed for the house, but she shook her head. I'll be right behind you, she shouted, pulling the bourbon free from the mud. She tossed it to the side and kept digging. In a few hours, she'd be forced out of the Odette family. Might as well take a souvenir for the road. It was quicker to unearth the trapdoor this time. May kicked off her heels, her toes squelching in the mud. She pulled out her phone once more, shining the flashlight down into the gaping maw of the bootlegger cave and jumped. May landed hard on the packed dirt floor. The long white train of the wedding dress followed slower, billowing out like a great sail. She struggled to her feet, sucking in air. The jump had knocked the wind out of her. She was running out of time. She hurried to the moldering suitcases and began shoving fistfuls of gold down the front of her bodice. If she could get at least one bag's worth out of here, the scheme wouldn't have been a total waste. With each gold bar, she cursed her past self for not getting a dress with pockets. A shout came from behind May, startling her. What in the Sam Hill are you doing? May turned to find Granny peering through the trapdoor. You get up here now! The woman shouted over the storm. May looked around the cave, her flashlight playing wildly over the walls. No exits. There was no way out but up. May sighed and heaved herself through the trapdoor into the waiting storm. Granny looked like a woman possessed. The wind had ripped her peacock hat from her head and ruined her bun. Stringy grey hair whipped wildly around her face. She grabbed May's shoulder, shoving her roughly to the side. May stumbled, dropping her phone in the mud. Catching her balance, she looked back to see Granny crouched over the trapdoor, peering into the darkness. Granny noticed May's phone lying in the muck 
and snatched it. May picked her way towards Granny as the old woman shone the light down into the hole. Even where May was standing, she caught the glimmer of gold reflected in the beam. I bet you think you're pretty clever, Granny said, her back still to May. She turned to face May, mascara running down her red face. A gold bar fell from May's dress, landing in between them. You were fixing to take a little something with you. Granny turned back to the door. I offered you a way out, she said. You should have taken it, but I don't take kindly to thieves. Once we get back to the house, I'll bring all the power of the Lord down on your head. Only God can help you now. May didn't register that she was swinging the shovel until she felt the blade connect with Granny's head. For just a moment, the old woman's mouth twisted into a round O of surprise before she crumpled to the ground. May dropped the shovel in shock. Granny sprawled in front of her, her left arm dangling through the trapdoor into the abyss below. Blood pooled in the churned up mud, mingling with the rainwater. May stole a glance back towards the direction of the house. She could barely see it through the heavy rain, the trees almost completely hiding it from view. They were alone. Granny gave a low moan as May rolled her onto her side. She pushed the old woman toward the trapdoor, her waterlogged clothes snagging on the old wood. With a final shove, Granny slid into the darkness. Panting with the effort, May got to her feet. She looked down into the cave. For one brief moment, she saw Granny's eyes glittering back at her in the darkness, the rage replaced with wide-eyed terror. Then, May swung the door closed. May covered the trapdoor one last time, slowing her frenzied breathing to the rhythmic shing-clunk swish of the shovel. Another gold bar fell from her dress. May covered it in dirt. She felt eerily calm as she ascertained her new position. She'd meant to run with the money, but with Granny out of the way, there was nothing stopping her from coming back and digging up the cave again, after a few weeks had gone by, of course. May patted down the last clod of dirt and tossed the shovel to the side. She caught sight of the Odette's bourbon bottle half buried in the muck. She pulled it free, deftly twisting the top open in one fluid motion. Somewhere, far away, May could hear Cal calling her name. She could just see the warm lights of the house through the storm. In a moment, she'd head back in, play the happy bride caught in the rain, and later, when they started looking for Granny, she'd play the concerned granddaughter. It would be the role of a lifetime, with a payout to match. She turned once more toward the cave and held the bottle of bourbon aloft in a solitary toast. To honesty, she thought, then took a long swig. No one's quite sure where the practice of burying a bottle of bourbon originated. Some people say Tennessee, others Virginia. Some suspect Kentucky, the home of bourbon itself which makes quite a bit of sense if you know something about the state. 
Most of Kentucky's eastern half is part of Appalachia, a region marked by beautiful mountain ranges and a unique culture. According to the Appalachian folklorist Nancy Richmond, many of the area's superstitions appear irrational or even absurd to outsiders. But they're part of a rich tradition and were often passed down from the Scottish and Irish immigrants who first settled in the region. These superstitions followed their own logic, but they're often rooted in wanting to control dangerous outside forces. If someone followed the superstition's rules and their family remained safe, then that proved the tradition worked. As Nancy puts it, you couldn't convince them otherwise. Perhaps the idea of burying bourbon began like that. To ensure a safe, sunny wedding day, couples were encouraged to inter a full bottle of bourbon upside down in the very spot they were to get married. This sort of offering to Mother Nature ensured the new couple would be blessed with clear skies for an outdoor wedding. The tradition speaks to a very common desire. At its core, it's a way of trying to control the weather, just one of many unstoppable forces that dictate our lives. Weddings are a time of upheaval. Families are growing and relationship dynamics are changing. It's easy for fear and doubt to creep in, what if I'm making a mistake? What if they're not the one? The bourbon becomes a talisman. The burial, an act of protection. It's symbolic. If we can convince the rain to hold off for just one day, perhaps we can control the path of this relationship and ensure it ends happily ever after. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. We will be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Erin Larson. This episode of Superstitions was written by Molly Quinlan, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden.